Uh, welcome to Unschooling Conversations. Today I'm joined by Iris Chen um, and in this episode we are going to discuss her recently published book Untigering, Peaceful Parenting for the Deconstructing Tiger Parent. Um, I'm Heidi Steele, I'm a former teacher and unschooling parent to four school-aged children who are happy living and learning as they go. I've been unschooling for almost 10 years and I blog regularly and I organise coaching and mentoring services um, on unschooling, which you can find out more about at liveplaylearn.org. Uh, so hi, Iris. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about um, the book, maybe, or the work that you're involved in? So, um yeah, I am Iris Chen, and I wrote a book called Untigering. And that just has been a process of me moving away from tiger parenting, which is like this very controlling, um, has a lot of rules, this power over dynamic with children, and then seeing the negative effects of that in my own life and in the lives of my children. And realizing that I wanted to move away from that to towards peaceful parenting, towards um, much more of a partnership type of model. And through that process, also discovered unschooling and have been unschooling for about three or four years now. And that really accelerated my process of um, peaceful parenting, actually, because just understanding more about autonomy and respect and how to work with our children instead of assuming that we as the adults know what's best and can, you know, impose these rules um, and control over our children. So, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Excellent. So could you, if you would like to, um, tell us maybe how old your children are? And if, I know often these things are uh, like a ongoing um, thing, but was there a catalyst, a point where you said, you know, this, this, the parenting style I'm using, this isn't working or it's not for us? Or, you know, was there, was there a single event or a series of events that led you to that point? Mm-hmm. My kids are about to turn 11 and 13 in February. So um, I think it was definitely a process for me. But there were moments when, um, some aha moments for me. And one that I write about in my book is when I went to a parenting workshop and then, um, the speaker was just talking about, um, neurobiology and understanding our children's brains and how they develop and how they respond to different types of parenting and how when we parent them with control or with yelling or punishment and all those things, um, how their brains respond and they become very overstimulated and unable to calm themselves down. And I think that really woke me up to the fact that the way that I was responding to my children's behavior was creating this storm and this overstimulation in their brain. And so I was part of the problem. I was not Mm. helping them to calm down. And I think just when that clicked, I was able to, you know, dig deeper into peaceful parenting and understand all the science behind it, but also understand like how to reframe behavior and not always see it as something that I need to like react to and punish. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, try to control, but through eyes of understanding, through eyes of empathy. And that was a huge turning point for me where I realized that what I was doing was, was really creating the problem and exacerbating it and that I needed to change. So one of the things that like I found when we um, moved into peaceful parenting was like you have all this personal experience of how to parent the way that you are then replicating with your own children. You have, you know, this um, experience from your own life and there and there are, you know, a fair number of books or people that will, you know, tell you to continue um parenting that way and so one of the things you do in in the book is is um give some guidance or some um pointers maybe in terms of well if we're not doing that like what what are we doing what what do we do um instead and that foundation that you that foundational point of relationship that you take in the book is then also what is key in unschooling as well you know it's about relationship it's about walking with our children it's about being in partnership you know with our um children and you know when you were talking about emotions then it was you know the and behavior that those things our children go through you know we say behavior is is communication you know they're not being bad and they're not being naughty or disruptive or rude um they're actually that in terms of neurobiology it's their way of communicating something else and um do you want to explain maybe a little bit about you know what do we do instead when we are peaceful parenting so i feel like you know the traditional or mainstream type of parenting really is often about behavior management, you know, where parents are just taught, like, how to deal with behavior and see things on a very surface level, um, whereas, like, like you mentioned, it is very relational, and how can we see parenting in a relational paradigm instead of a hierarchical, authoritarian paradigm, right? So I think just as we build relationship and trust with anybody else in our lives, you know, our partners, our friends, that we have those same, um, that same lens and that those same tools, if you, if you can call it that. Um, so, you know, just connection, I think, is so foundational to um, our relationship with our kids where we just find ways to show them that we love them and enjoy them and spend time with them, right? So um, oftentimes when we build in that connection and where our children feel safe and secure in our love and our relationship with them, a lot of times the behaviors, you know, resolve themselves because their needs are being met. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, like, instead of sort of, attacking certain behaviors in a very direct way oftentimes it's like like digging deeper underneath the surface to meet those needs to meet those needs for connection and safety belonging security and significance and all those things then um then a lot of times it's like the the peace just naturally flows out of that because their needs are being met Mm -hmm. there is that 
affection and that trust. Thank you. Funnily enough, I was trying to find a quote in the book, which I have found, which I really like, but I'll come to it in a minute because as I was flicking through, I just I just went past the page that what this book is not, it is not a how-to book about how to get your kids to behave or change. Um, yes, so I just thought I'd mention that in case people got the impression that it, that it was a step-by-step guide, um, but that's not uh, what the book is. But this um, quote, um, it's actually in your introduction, um, but I um, I really like it. It says there is no need to feel shame or frustration at an impossible ideal. We will fail. We won't always live up to our principles, but we can continue to grow and move in the direction of our vision. There is no other choice for those of us who seek to parent without oppression. We must do the work. And I know I've heard you say before, you know, that's the concept of untigering, that we don't sort of reach this destination and we become this sort of perfect peaceful parenting you know ideal um that it's that it's a it's a process that we go through in our relationship rebuilding with our children um but it's that something that we have to go through um personally um sort of sometimes a very day by day or even moment um by moment process there's a part in the book where you talk about playing um alongside our children and um you know joining them in their everyday and I think you use the term silly that sometimes their games are silly and it really resonated with me because I um you know as adults we can often find children playing alongside our children um cumbersome maybe you know a, a little bit like we're not we don't quite have the same passion for it as they bring to the to the game um and and you use this term silly and I, and I thought wow that's what I've been looking for this whole time is that actually that's what I that's what I often think this is I'm not very good at the silly aspect of um playing um alongside my children so um you know what do we do when we come across an aspect that we find um challenging in 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 peaceful parenting which I guess you could ask anybody who's a parent you know but when we are committed to this you know this idea this ideal about how we want to interact with our children what do we do when we find something that's you know challenges us Mm -hmm. I mean I think all of like to welcome all of it, you know, welcome all the challenges when things make us uncomfortable. Um, that's where growth happens, you know, like if we're just doing whatever makes us comfortable, then we're not really growing and we're not, you know, trying new things and exploring new ideas. And so I think it's okay that it feels uncomfortable and it feels unnatural. I mean, especially coming from a tiger parenting mindset. And, and I'm like generally a pretty serious person in general. Play feels very unnatural to me. <laughs> like I knew how to study. I knew how to work. I knew how to like do like be productive. But in terms of play and silliness is it doesn't, you know, doesn't feel natural for me. Um, so I think it's just okay to, to do it and feel awkward doing it and continue to press into that. And um, because part of it, I think, is like that feeling of incompetence or that feeling of awkwardness and how we 
sort of need to embrace that feeling because we're always told that we should feel um, like we're good at something or that it should come easy to us, you know, and those are actually not truths. That doesn't actually, you know, that's not a growth mindset. So how can we be comfortable with the uncomfortableness of trying new things? And that doesn't mean that everything, we don't have to like do all these different things just because somebody else is doing them. You know, I, I know a parent who is just like very active and always like takes her kids out and they're always doing fun things. And for, for me and my kids, we're like happy being at home and, you know, just chilling out. And so again, with that unschooling mindset, it really is about who we are and who our, uh, our kids are and finding a way to live in alignment with that instead of like needing to do what other people tell us to do just because it works for them. But even with the, the whole silliness as, aspect, it's like, we don't all have to be the life of the party. We don't mm-hmm. always have to be like, you know, like we don't have to love an imaginative play if, if it's not our thing. You know, like we can find ways to connect and uh, play with our kids in, in ways that make sense for us and in ways that make sense for our kids because not all kids love that either, right? Yeah. So. Again, it's about the relationship. It's about finding what works for all of us instead of feeling like we have to do certain things just because they're like peaceful parents. Yeah, I mean, in, in our house, my husband is definitely the um, silly one. Um, and so if that's, you know, what's on the cards for the day or for the moment, um, you know, he's really he's really good at it. And that's what, you know, that's his, like, his forte. Um, and whilst I do have moments when I think, okay, you know, this, I need to join in with this silly and, and I, and I do, um, you know, like you say, it's not my forte and I've got to a point now where I personally, uh, don't feel that I have to be doing those things because I have other skill sets that I bring to the relationship. Um, but at the same time, my, my children really appreciate it when I, when I do join in and when I can join in and I have had to you know part of that like you say that growth mindset of realizing there doesn't have to be a purpose to this game I think that's what I personally find tricky with the idea of being silly like what are we doing (laughs) why are we doing this um it can just be because we're having fun together and my children um you know that's what they want they want the relational aspect you know they just want me to join in um that's they're not really um they, you know, they're not grading me on how silly I can be or, you know, what the purpose of this activity that is. Um, they just they just want to play with me. So if I can get over that little hurdle, um, then that's then that's great. But as you say, everyone's different. So, again, you know, my you know, if my husband's around, it's going to be him who joins in the silly because that's going to it's a much better fit. Um, I think is the way of, of of putting it. But one of the things um, I like in the book is that you address this issue of when our parenting styles are vastly different um, to those that our the way that our parents parented us, and how um, you sort of talk through how to navigate that with your with your own 
parents um, when there's this sort of rift in our parenting style, but yet they are still family and we still seek to be in relationship with them. And I think that's a really, I think that's a really tricky um, thing to navigate. Uh, so I guess my question is really how how do we do that? Where where do we where do we start? I wrote um, in my book a chapter about that, I guess, and I really start with how we need to understand our own stories. So um, to sort of go back to how we were parented and our own childhood and the ways that our parents parented us and to take time to grieve the things that we need to grieve and to process and to, you know, heal those inner childhood wounds. And that's definitely like an ongoing process for us. But I think it's important to do that because um, oftentimes we like the choices that we're making for our family now are, are very much tied to our past and the way we're responding to our childhood wounds. And so it's very important for us to just take the time to dig a little deeper and understand um, our own pains and to, yeah, really grieve them to, to make room for however we feel about them. And then also to understand our parents' stories. I think that's one thing that I wrote about as well. Mm -hmm. It's like understanding more about their history and what they grew up with um, because they are also, you know, reacting out of their own experiences as children and throughout their, throughout their lives. And so coming to a place of compassion and empathy for them. Mm -hmm. um, and yet what I say is also that we get to write the rest of our story. So we need to understand you know, our past story and understand our parents' stories. But from here on out, we get to sort of control the narrative and that arc of where we want the rest of our story to go. So instead of allowing our past and our parents' stories to define the narrative for us, that we can sort of take charge of that from this point on and create a different arc. Um, and our parents' stories and the, the patterns that we grew up with don't have to define the rest of the story. And so I, I think, you know, if we're in a place where there is like a lot of tension with our parenting style and the way our parents parented us, you know, I think it's, it's there's room for boundaries where we have to, you know, just draw a line because we are, we are needing to think about future generations too, mm -hmm. right? It's not just um, how can I make things comfortable in the moment, but how can we break some patterns? How can we leave some of the toxic, you know, generational things behind so that we can create something new for the future generations? And so sometimes we have to draw a line in the sand and um, just, you know, create some boundaries and say, we're not bringing this forward with the next generation. And that is, that is difficult. It is hard and mm -hmm. it can often cause, um, you know, tension or a rift 
in our relationship with our parents. But, um, you know, I think everybody has to make that choice for themselves, what they're comfortable with and what they're willing to sacrifice. Either way, you're sacrificing something, right? You're either sacrificing like the, the status quo and, you know, this, this sort of peace where you avoid the tension mm-hmm. or you're, you're sacrificing living um, truthfully and authentically and breaking, breaking that pattern for the next generation. So all of us have to decide, you know, what are we willing to sacrifice and what, what are we willing to draw the line in the sand for? Yeah, I think I really just appreciated that you had included it in the book as part of the process and as part of the reality of us um, parenting differently to, you know, the way our parents probably, generally speaking, parented us. And that idea of um, just acknowledging our parents' own stories um, and really understanding that, you know, the choices they made were in the context of everything that they, you know, where they were in society at the time and their upbringing and the things influencing um, their lives and just and understanding that from their viewpoint. Um, but also having this sort of compassionate empathy for them, but also for yourselves and actually saying, I can understand that, you know, but actually this is where we are drawing our line and this is what that this is what we are doing. Um, and I think it's quite a skill to be able to to do that and like you say this untigering process it's a it's a process um you know that you have to keep revisiting um over and over again in order to uh, be able to hopefully maintain relations you know within your wider family um so talking about things that you put in the book that were a surprise, you you move at the end of the, the book to um, talking about how our parenting really can influence uh, wider society. Um, and I'm not sure really what my um, question is. Maybe we could start with, you know, what, why did you include that in the book? Sure. I, I think because sometimes when we think about parenting it's very um through like this individualistic mindset and we're very much it's like all about what's happening within your nuclear family and it's just between you and your child or whatever but just realizing that you know as a society we are all connected to each other and definitely the ways that we parent our children the way that we were parented influences who we are and influences the way that we engage with the world. And so just knowing, you know, that children who are raised in a very authoritarian, domineering environment, um, it creates a society that becomes very authoritarian and, you know, leads toward fascism or whatever it is. Whereas, you know, those who are raised with, um, respect and autonomy and connection and all those things, then go out into the world and expect those things from the society around them and will engage with the world in that way. And so I totally believe that the way that we parent in, you know, I don't believe that parenting is a private thing. It's definitely a political thing. 
where whatever we do within our homes also ripples out into society and into the way we, um, you know, affect the world and influence the world. And, and the, the inverse or converse or whatever is true as well, where um, whatever is happening in society also affects the way that we parent. And so I think we need to take all of that into consideration where, like, um, you know, the stresses of society. If, if parents are forced to work long hours every day or if they're facing, you know, racism or... Uh, food insecurity or all of those things you know, like we, we cannot say that those things don't affect the way we interact with our children you know all of those stresses that we have in society affect the way that you know, we um, either approach our children with trying to protect them or you know with fear for their safety and all those things um, so I think you know, just as we are trying to parent in a way to influence society, we also have to sort of engage in the bigger social issues that do affect our lives and our parenting. And so we have to think about those things through that lens as well, where we're trying to, um, you know, create that systemic change as well as our personal change. Yeah, so you, um, you know, you you talk about specifically about things like racism in the book. You talk, um, you you use the word meritocracy, um, which is a great word, and and um, and I love it. You know that idea that when we teach our, um, or when our children live in an environment where competition is important and hierarchy is important, um, that we create this system where some people are inevitably worth more or less than others based on their qualifications or the amount of money they have or the colour of their skin. Um, and, you know, you address these in the in the end of the book. And I just love the idea of how, uh, firstly, how when we um, parent our children in such a way where they are um, valued and respected and heard, um, that when they go out into the wider world, that's what they expect from the wider world. Um, but also that we can apply those principles to whoever we um, are in contact with and have relationship, you know, our neighbours, our community, um, community groups, our families, you know, we can apply those same principles to those people. And in that way, we are having an impact on you know, that even those little communities, but like you say, it's that ripple effect, isn't it? That ripple effect of being able to say to someone, you are valuable and have worth just because you are. Um, and then for them to take that on board and, and sort of hopefully and maybe pass it to the, to the next person. Um, so I really, again, appreciated the, the way that you included that in, in the, in the discussion of untigering and our parenting um, and not just seeing it as an isolated an isolated concept. Um, so we've talked a little bit on and off about unschooling and um, peaceful parenting. Um, as far as I'm concerned, peaceful parenting is kind of key to unschooling because it's about relationship. Um, and although we call it unschooling, um, which puts this um, educational sort of veneer on it. 
really, it's about building relationship with our children, and then everything else sort of grows um, from there. Really, it's I find it quite um, challenging to ex- explain, but our children feel so secure with their family relations um, that it just provides this really strong foundation for their learning to flourish is a word I like um, to use so you've been you said you've been unschooling for about three years is that right since 2000 I guess it's more like four years now (laughs) I can't keep track (laughs) just like you know when you when we don't have those grades Mm -hmm. sort of like measure it just sort of all flows in together but yeah at least three years maybe four or more so um sort of which came first did did you sort of move into peaceful parenting first or did you hear about unschooling first or you know which one sort of led into the other for you I think um, definitely I was sort of exploring more about peaceful parenting. And then as I was exploring different options, because I was living in China at the time, my schooling, the schooling options for my kids were pretty limited and I was exploring homeschooling, but I wanted to do it in a way that, you know, didn't tear our family apart. So discovered unschooling really resonated with it. But I think, like I mentioned at the beginning, I feel like unschooling really accelerated my deep dive into peaceful parenting because it really forces, it forced me to question all the ways that I still felt justified in using control over my kids, which is, you know, even a lot of peaceful parents, when it comes to schooling or education, Mm -hmm. still feel like, you know, things have to be done this way. You know, um, but unschooling sort of like, you know, just unpeeled all of that, deconstructed a lot of that and made me question a lot of the other areas, actually, where I was trying to use control over them. Um, And so, yeah, it was sort of like this, this convergence of both peaceful parenting and unschooling. But I feel like it's so connected um, I do feel that unschooling is just peaceful parenting lived out, you know, in all areas of our mm-hmm. life. Um, and and I'm really grateful for unschooling and how that has, because it, it is even more radical than, um, you know, just what we might consider peaceful parenting because it really forces us to look at the different ways that we still engage in power over our children. Um, and, and for childhood, much of that is related to school. You know, so much of childhood in mainstream society is related to school and learning and education and trying to get our kids, you know, to, to do the things that the school tells them to do. And so to unpack all of that has been really, you know, just a powerful experience in helping me to really internalize these ideas of peaceful parenting even more. Is there anything else you would like to particularly mention about the book for us? Anything that you would like to uh, bring to the podcast? I think um, one thing, 
you know, one reason that I wrote the book in particular, and I don't know if this is relevant for your audience, but especially as um, a, an Asian American, especially as a person of color, that it was really important for me to write from that lens, to write from, um, you know, just like the, the position of centering my own story and my own experiences um, as an Asian person, as somebody who lived in both China and in the States and in North America, um, to, yeah, ground this experience, this learning in my cultural context. And so, yeah, hoping that other people, other Asians and other people of color can see that these ideas are not just Western, you know, because tiger parenting is typically associated with mm -hmm. Asian parenting. That's the stereotype. And like peaceful parenting feels very frou-frou and very, you know, like <laughs> granola or whatever. <laughs> things that things that a lot of Asian Americans may not connect with and relate to. But just for me, um, writing this and, and sharing my story, hopefully it can really connect and share that these ideas and these principles are really like cross-cultural. They are, they are about our humanity and our shared humanity and how can we, you know, begin to shift some of those traditions and some of the thinking that we are, you know, those stereotypes in order to change and, and shift culture, whether that's like the, the bigger culture or our, you know, ethnic, backgrounds or whatever it is to um yeah to be involved in shifting the narrative for our culture as well excellent well um thank you for uh joining me today um it's been uh really lovely to uh meet you and chat with you um so iris's book untigering is currently available um do you know where it's available from iris Yes, it's Amazon. Excellent. So, um, so yeah, wherever you get your Amazon, <laughs> Amazon, the UK one or the, you know the Australian one or wherever you can find it there. For those who are in the states, I also sell directly from my website antigreen.com if you want a signed copy and if you don't want to go the Amazon route. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, those are the two ways you can find my book. Fabulous. Well, I wish you all the best with it. It's a, it's a, um, it's an excellent book, and there's a full review on my um, uh, website at liveplaylearn.org if you want to uh, read more about it um, there. Um, but it's um, highly recommended by me. <laughs> Um, you can join me again in the next episode when I talk to unschooling parent Rachel Evans from Connect and Respect and we are going to discuss de-schooling. So I will see you then. Thank you for joining me, Iris. <laughs>